Hi, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. There's some lovely cricket action going on outside my window, so I thought I would let you in on that. Hopefully you heard it. I'll try to make sure I can turn up the volume for that when I edit this podcast. Okay, welcome back. Today is episode 34, and today's episode is called Love Sees. So I heard a recent lecture by a guy who I really like. He's a philosopher and more. I don't, he's, he covers a lot of ground, but his name is Peter Rollins. He is from Northern Ireland, Belfast, Ireland. He has a fabulous accent and he is a very intriguing, fascinating, brilliant human being. So Um, not for everyone. He definitely has some interesting opinions that not everyone loves and that's fine. I tend to like that, but that might not be your cup of tea. Uh, I like to be challenged, so I kind of like that kind of thing. But anyway, I was listening to a lecture that he gave recently on love and it made me realize something. I realized that love is a daily thing that we experience or we think about but we don't often talk about it or it's misunderstood. I also think, you know, it's this, it's a word or a concept that's so common that it's almost lost some of its meaning probably, or maybe we don't even know what it is. It's such a common word. We don't even think about what it means or how we experience it. So I thought I would do an episode on it. How fitting. So one of the things, a lot of this podcast episode, I will be quoting him or sort of be borrowing some of his ideas, Peter Rollins, um, and some of it will be woven, obviously original stuff will be woven into this quite a bit, and um, majority of it will be my material, but it's kind of, I was spurred on by him and inspired by him. So one of the things that he said in this lecture is he talked about this concept of cows looking at cars. And that sounds ridiculous, but in Northern Ireland, if you've ever been to Ireland or, you know, farmland areas, areas where there are a lot of livestock, if you've ever seen a car drive by a a cow if you've seen, if you've driven, this happens a lot, um, in Ireland, but, and also we were talking about, I was talking about this the other day with somebody else about being in Southern California and it's so beautiful and there are these cows and they have no idea how beautiful that they're like standing near the, this beautiful coast and they're just cows and they're just chewing and they have their heads down. But, um, when you are in a car or if you've ever seen a car drive past a cow, maybe it sort of looks up for a moment and then it just goes back to chewing its grass. It just goes, puts its head back down and looks at the grass. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, for reasons that we partially will cover in this episode, we as humans are a lot like those cows and the cars are other humans. We often tend to miss, we tend to not see other people. And 
when we talk about love, we often have this sort of romantic view of love, this sort of tingly, um, quickening feeling. And maybe that's part of it, sure. But love is not, I just talked about this with my 10-year-old daughter, um, love is not a feeling. It's something else that's much different. It has a lot more meaning than just the feelings that surround it. And uh, I would like to propose that love is really so much about seeing and being seen. You know, we've talked about knowing and being known and how important that is. And I think seeing, you know, we've done, I've done an episode on different, different ways of seeing. Um, and all of this comes together in love, I think. So I want to tell you a little story about this and an experience that I had recently. So I was getting gas at a gas station and I pulled up and I saw this guy who's probably, I would say he's probably late teens, early twenties, probably early twenties sitting near the gas pump. We'll call him Z. We'll just call him Z for now. So I see this guy, I see him sitting near the gas pump and I pull up and I kind of just, you know, I didn't, I think in a typical situation, like my mother's probably listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, stay safe, Heather. (laughs) I get it. Um, There's enough reason to have caution and anxiety about strangers sitting at gas stations waiting for women, especially. There's a safety issue there. It was daytime. I was not worried. Uh, I was not concerned. But I looked at him and I got out of the car and I chose to make eye contact with him and not in a creepy or assuming or suspicious way. I just looked at him and he looked at me and I didn't feel any fear about like him asking me for money or anything. I just kind of looked at him. I didn't worry about that. I just was concerned actually for him. He just kind of looked like he needed something. So I looked at him and um, I just basically said, are you okay? Are you? I think, yeah, that's exactly what I said. I said, are you okay? And he stood up and he moved toward me and he said, well, actually, I'm not okay. And then he told me some of his story, which was, you know, not a ton of detail, but he told me some of his story. And he was homeless. And uh, he'd been in and out of some shelters and things. And I just asked him a bunch of questions. I'm a counselor. I've I've done um, therapy with homeless populations before. So I sort of this was not new ground for me. So I felt very comfortable. I felt very, uh, unconconcerned that I was, you know, I didn't, I knew the right, the questions to the right questions to not ask most importantly. But anyway, I just kind of listened and he said, you know, do you have a dollar? And I actually looked in my car. I didn't have a dollar. I didn't, I looked at my wallet. I, I like never carried cash with me ever in this credit card world. Uh, you know, I was buying gas with my credit card and 
I just said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't have, I have no cash. I have no, I don't even have coins. I have nothing. It's ridiculous. Can I buy you food? Can I buy you something? Um, what do you need? And when I said, what do you need? He almost like had this pause, like he dropped his typical script, I guess. I don't know if that's what his experience is with being homeless. Like he has a sort of a script when he's asking for help. I don't know. But he sort of seemed to have a moment where he dropped the normal next comment and just said, you know, I have to be honest. It's just really nice to be seen. And I shook his hand. At this point, I had already asked his name, and I told him my name. And, you know, I just, I had a conversation with him. And then I pumped my gas. And then I had a conversation with him while I pumped my gas. And um, I told him that I would remember him. And that I did see him. And that I was sorry he didn't have a place to stay. And I don't know how this sounds to you. There's part of me that has this like, oh, Heather, you could have done more. You should have done more. Whatever. There's a lot of guilt stuff and social justice stuff that runs through my mind. Um, But for the purpose of this, it just, it really impacted me because of that sentence that he said, it's just really nice to be seen. And it made me wonder how many people have pulled into that gas station and seen that guy sitting there and done nothing or not looked at him or avoided eye contact. And, you know, it's not, there's no reason you should feel guilty or ashamed of that necessarily. Like that's just a waste of energy and time. But it is kind of an interesting thing to consider how this different path emerges when you decide to actively see someone. So that raises a question for me that I'd like you to consider. When was the last time you were seen? Really seen? And what was that like for you? I just want you to think about that for a second. Sometimes I think we spend a lot of energy shying away from being seen. I talk a lot in these episodes about hiding and shame. And I think that being seen and accepted or not judged, being moved toward while being seen is grievously rare. I think it's hard to find, and I think we spend a lot more time in fear than we do in trying to see one another. We spend a lot more time like cows who occasionally glance up at a car that passes and then go back to chewing our grass. Uh, Because of our devices, we often even go to stores and... As we're in the checkout line, we either pick the self-checkout line because there's no human to interact with, or we <laughs> or we look at our phones while the person's scanning our items, maybe. Uh, my friend Kurt, who I mentioned in my previous episode, 
he tells this story of, um, I don't remember if it was him that did this or if it was a story of his friend or somebody that he knew, but he had this story where um, it's sort of an experiment where you go to the grocery store and you buy your food and you intentionally go to a checkout line with a human being and you ask the person's name who is checking out your groceries. And if there's a bagger, which occasionally that doesn't even happen anymore, interestingly enough, sometimes there are not even people who bag groceries anymore just because so many people use the self-checkout line or they can't staff enough people to bag. But just ask people's name, names and take note of those things and say thank you for bagging my groceries. Um, but here's the part that Kurt Thompson, uh, recent, you know, he's, he's, when he tells this story, he says, go back a few days later and find that person again, or those two people again, and call them by name and say, Hey, I just wanted to come back and thank you again for bagging my groceries or checking out my groceries. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks. This may sound bananas. <laughs> it may just sound wacky and potentially awkward even. Uh, yeah, it is awkward. And it's the, the fact that it's refreshingly different than being a cow eating grass and occasionally looking up at a car makes a massive impact on the human race, in my opinion. Um, it's what we all deeply long for. We all deeply long to be seen in some way. And yeah, we hide and there are barriers. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but it's just really powerful to be seen. One of the things that Peter Rollins, I'll read a quote from him here from this lecture that I listened to. He says this, in love, you will feel things that you do not want to feel. You will feel more alive than ever, and you will feel more suffering than ever. But that is the courage to be. And if you remove the risk, you remove the love. I love that quote. I actually, I was listening to this and I almost, almost crashed my car writing it down on a post-it note, that quote. So that one came to you at a cost, a near cost. Uh, I really shouldn't be writing post-it notes while I'm driving my car. They have like text pullovers. They need to have post-it pullovers. Anyway, but this idea that love is full of risk and that you will feel so many things that you don't want to feel and that you want to feel and that you never expect to feel. It's a massive part of this seeing process and it is a risk to see others and it is a risk to be seen. It is a choice also. But love going beyond feelings Love is a radical commitment to the depth 
and the substance of a full person. This is sort of a riff off of Pete Rollins. I can't take full credit for this, but love is this radical commitment to the depth and substance of the full person in front of you. And when someone loves you or when you love someone, when, when someone loves you, let's just focus on that for a second. When someone loves you, like really, like real definition, love, seeing, moving toward this definition of love, not just the feelings. When someone loves you, they take you with all of your grit and your grime and your imperfection and your finitude and they invest in you this finite person seeing infinite worth and beauty in the company of your imperfections. It's not as if, like, I really believe real love is not, um, it's not this idealization. It's not pedestalization. It's not propping someone up and making them this strong person who doesn't fail or, doesn't hurt you. Uh, that's just idealization and idealization. That's not real. And it's definitely not love. When you choose to see someone's imperfections and their grime and their grit and their finitude and their failures and their warts and their weaknesses and their ability to fail you not if but when they w- they will fail you eventually when you can move towards someone in the midst of that that is love that sees that's real radical commitment to the depth and substance of a full person So it sounds great, right? (laughs) Is it hard? Yeah, it is. There are downsides because it is hard. Um, You know, I've mentioned that I'm a four on the Enneagram. If you don't know what that is, you can check it out. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Enneagram. It's an ancient personality typal description of people. (laughs) It's a long story. We'll do, I'll do an episode sometime on that. It's such a feat. Uh, hard to come, hard to come to anyway. Um, but one of the things that one of the qualities of a four on the Enneagram is that we are very good pedestalizers. We are very good disciples. We like to find good teachers. We like to find wise gurus and teachers and, um, you know, people to look up to, mentors. And we like to put them on our pedestals and we like to shine them and make them look so good and and ignore their flaws and, you know, just sort of really embellish this perf- this image of perfection. And when they fall, it's so, we, you know, we were so disappointed and we blame them and we criticize them either internally or externally. And um, it's really toxic, actually, for both people involved. And for this reason, because it's not love. It's 
idolizing someone and making them into this persona that we want them to be to assuage our own anxieties, to calm our own fears. And in doing so, we miss the actual person, which is a detriment. It's, uh, it's a loss for both people. Because seeing someone, I've learned this the hard way. I've made these mistakes. And with certain people in particular, I have been challenged by those who are wiser, older, and smarter than me to when someone has fallen off a pedestal to move toward them and to not say, I told you so, or to reject them or to move away, but to move toward even when this person has fallen off a pedestal and become, you know, I see this person's flaws and imperfections and to love them even in that and let that be part of their substance it was really challenging to do that as a four on the Enneagram. If you're a four and you're listening to this, I'm sure you can imagine how difficult that is. And maybe you've had some uh, luck with that, some success with that. Uh, it's a growth path worth pursuing, may I tell you. Because it's what happens when you move towards someone in their imperfections, not uh, not like in this, I love you in spite of your imperfections, but it's like your imperfections are you and therefore I love that even. Yes, I love you. I love all of your substance, all that I see, and I choose to see more. That is love. And when you take part in that, you're taking part in something that is far, far bigger than both of you and love is so powerful. It transcends both of you people involved in it. Ugh. But it is a battle. You know, the, what I'm describing is it requires, uh, I don't like the word war or battle because it sounds bloody and violent. Um, it's arduous. It's, it's, it's work and not the kind that isn't worth it. It's the kind that is worth it. It's the kind of work that produces fruit and more substance. So one of the, another quote that I loved from Peter Rollins's talk was this. He says, when you find out the battles that people have fought in the realm of love, you end up surprised that anyone can even get out of bed in the morning. People are fighting great battles that we don't ever see in the realm of love. So we, you know, we all have this choice to fight this battle or not. And I want to really stress that, that it is a choice and it is, you shouldn't feel bad if you're if it's just too, the battle isn't feeling worth it today. Um, and maybe you don't even know what the battle is. I don't know what yours looks like. I know what mine looks like. And I know what some of my loved ones battles look like. Um, this battle of love, but I can tell you that it is worth fighting for because like, like I said, you enter into something that is so much bigger than both of you. 
because love, um, Peter Rollins compares love to light. He sort of uses this metaphor of light isn't something that we actually see. Light is the thing that enables us to see all things. So yeah, we see light, but we're not really focusing on, we don't look at the light itself. We let it illuminate. We look at the things that it is illuminating. And so it is with love. It's this thing that's so much bigger that transcends us and sort of opens our eyes and awakens us to things much bigger than us. So here's my invitation to you. <laughs> oh, this has this has a, a few parts to it. There's a whole little sheet of paper devoted to this. Hear this? Hear that? So I use real paper on these podcast episodes. Real paper made from trees. But here's the invitation. Here's part A of the invitation today. I want you to consider in what ways might someone be trying to see you and know you, but you are hiding out of fear. Because it is a great risk to be seen. Um, You put yourself at risk all the time. By the way, did I say this already? I don't remember. Every time you drive your car, you're putting yourself at risk. You are putting yourself in the hands You're trusting so many human beings who are strangers with your life, your precious one wildlife. Every time you get in the car and drive on a road, you're putting your life in the hands of someone else. Why don't we do that as willingly or acceptingly with love? It's just interesting. Um, Cars can hurt, hurt your body and love can hurt you in different ways, I suppose, but it's just interesting to think about. But again, in what ways might someone be trying to see you or know you, but you are hiding out of fear? And what might it be like to gently test the waters and drop the act, drop the hiding, uh, come out, come out of hiding, come to the table? What could that be like? And, you know, one of the things that I wrote down when I was writing my outline for this is what's the worst and maybe the best thing that could happen if you try this? It's an interesting thing to think about, right? So that's part A. Here's part B of the invitation on the flip side. What might it be like for you to see someone, warts and all, who maybe you've rejected or maybe you've pedestalized or idealized, what would it be like to see them as they really are and continue to move toward them? To not reject them? Um, Not abusive people, that's not what I'm talking about. But people who are trying to be seen in a way that is healthy and normal and not abusive. Um, If you're not sure what that means, ask someone, a counselor, a friend, email me, I don't know, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. But um, what might it be like to see someone and not reject them and keep moving toward them? 
And what if you treated them as though they have invaluable and infinite worth? What would that be like? Again, what's the worst that could happen? Also, what's the best that could happen? Ooh, this is radical stuff. Radical commitment to the depth and substance of a full person in front of you. It is a battle. So that's my invitation to consider those things. What would it be like to be seen? And what would it be like to keep seeing without running? Here's my blessing to you straight from Peter Rollins for this week. He says, love doesn't exist. Love is what calls all things into existence out of the void. So may you, my friends, experience love that calls you out of a void, that calls you out of hiding into your very existence. And may you find a shocking level of life and joy and beauty and awareness of your own value and others' values in that experience. Thanks for joining me. And, oh, thanks to Doug, a listener who emailed me this song. Uh, I saw this guy in concert recently, this the singer who's about to sing this song. Uh, I saw him in concert over in the winter, and this is a powerful song, so I hope you enjoy it. Listen to the words if you can. Take great care. I'll see you next week. On the Badlands as a child Where the dust devils dance On the dreams of the ivy wild In places you grow up The tumbling ground is wrong And there is no domestic heart So what have we become? This pedestrian There is no domestic heart No wheel to love Is hidden within Yeah.
Netherlands as a child Where the dust devils dance on the dreams of the Ivy Wild 